Algar Productions. Despite the title, the following podcast is most decidedly not for kids. This is the Kids Love Batman Beyond podcast with your hosts, Maggie Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Episode 99 The Egg Baby and Zeta with Devlin Grimm. Hi, pals. We're back once again. I'm Al. I'm and Maggie. I'm Devlin. It's Devlin. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Hi, babies. Hooray. Welcome back. Now, you were going to be on earlier this season, and uh, you had to reschedule, and you were like, what, what do you think? What do you think would be good for me? And I think I did good. You did great. I will say uh, I, I was going to be on for the Fantastic Four episode, mm-hmm. and I'm... I just want to say, like, I workshopped the perfect title, Facsimile 4. Oh, that would have been so good. Or, but see, you mm-hmm. still get to do that. Or oh, oh. Fantastic Foe. <laughs> Ooh. So you're going Rocky and Bullwinkle on us with the alternate titles. Yeah. Very good. I am, yeah. But <laughs> would, I, I don't think there's a better perfect combination of uh, episode and guest for this series mm-hmm. than Devlin with the Egg Baby. <laughs> This is so extremely my brand, my shit, and apparently I, the word baby is my stick now. So also that I, that wasn't even part I, of it. You hadn't been on for Superman yet when we when we discussed that. So mm-hmm. this is a happy accident. I, I was a hundred percent certain that you picked this one because of my egg baby. <laughs> no, Tress McDeal does not appear in this episode. <laughs> Another reason it's a favorite. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I do not have what? the disdain for uh, Tress McNeil that some do. I mean, no one, no one more than Flonk, but uh... I, I, I've got no particular problem with Tress McNeil. It's just the way she keeps showing up with the same voice. Yeah, yeah, I, I want, mean... I want the best for Tress McNeil. Just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not in a crowd scene. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, that's fair. But I mean, I feel the same about Maurice Lamarche. Yeah, fair. I think I think they're very much the same. Very talented in their way, but yeah, don't don't try to blend in. You're not as good a mimic as you think you are. Uh, Just the crowd, the crowd shut up. Yes, I was also upset by the attacking monster. <laughs> My baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's Pinky Maurice. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. Why don't you tell us, Devlin, about the Egg Baby? All right. The Egg Baby. Excuse me. <clears throat> it's a very serious business here. Mm-hmm. A dowager, a ghostbuster, and a Depression-era farmhand step out of a sick hovering El Camino and break into a fancy mansion to steal a ruby ring. It's Ma Mayhem and her boys, who you may remember from somewhere. I honestly had to look it up. No time for that. Terry is failing his family studies class. Bruce is pretty smug about this, which is a hell of a take from someone who occasionally turns orphans into child soldiers. <laughs> In family studies, or as it's listed in the course catalog, compulsory heteronormative 210, the kids are paired up in hilarious matches. Hot girl and nerd, jock and goth, greaser and soche, but always boy-girl as God intended. The pairs are given egg babies to care for, bloated Tamagotchis that look like Naruto when they cry, also as God intended. I'm honestly, obviously just kidding. The egg babies are adorable and stupid, and I really love them. They make video game noises when they die. Amazing. Ten stars. I want one. <laughs> well, of course, Terry has to take Egg Baby out for his Batmaning because his partner went out for smokes. Bat- uh, Bruce hears the cries of Egg Baby and is concerned that it's, you know, a baby. Is that a baby? Did you bring a baby? Did you just give birth to a baby? I'm sorry. I failed family studies, too. <laughs> Well, of course, Terry whiffs at, whiffs at cap- capturing Ma and the boys because he's distracted by Egg Baby. Later, later Terry and Egg Baby set off to the Museum of Fashion to thwart Ma Beagle's break-in. <laughs> the Museum of Fashion? Oh my gosh! I hope they have the robots from Alexander McQueen's 1999 spring-summer show. I love robots so much, and I'll never see a robot so poorly designed that it makes me question its position. Certainly not by the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> After a serviceable tussle in front of Point of Order, the most boring and basic clothes I have ever fucking seen, <laughs> Ma and the boys abscond with Egg Baby in the back of the old El Camino. Big Boy, whose name I did not look up, 
is about to enact his own high school cliche with an egg baby drop. Terry nabs Egg Baby in the nick of time, and the two give chase after Ma and the boys. Egg Baby squealing with delight the whole time. I don't even have a joke here. Egg Baby's giggles are just too pure for this world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Some light action later, and Ma and the boys are defeated. While everyone else in the family studies past Egg Baby, Terry is the only one to ace Egg Baby, because babies need stimulation and kids love Batman. Egg Baby! Oh Yay. my god, I did not even put together the kids love Batman thing. That is oh, <laughs> chef's kiss. Uh-huh. I bring you also, the inspiration. Now I have to take back that this is the perfect episode for you because yeah, it had the Museum of Fashion which you were supremely qualified to comment on and no fashion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um this was edged out of my bad thing but honestly they have the museum of fashion and it's like a bunch of suits and a dress and it's all gray and mm-hmm. it's all beige and it mm. could have been an amazing set piece yeah this i mean maybe they, all they had to do was go back to old model sheets they didn't even have to like yeah. design it from scratch they've come up with some weird ass you know uh clothing designs over the last three series maybe this is the uh the history of boring fashion mm, honestly all they be. had to do was like paint it with some colors one thing i love about this show mm-hmm. is even though it's dark and it's you know it it feels like it's nighttime all the time and oppressive it's very colorful and vibrant you know the mm-hmm. sky is always fuchsia and mm-hmm. you know there's well, acid greens everywhere that's mm-hmm. one of the ways it feels like the cyberpunk future of the 80s is there's not actual yeah. neon but the colors definitely imply neon yeah mm-hmm. i mean the mansion w- at the beginning of the show was much more colorful than the Museum of Fashion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That was the Museum of Rich Guy Crap. Mm-hmm. You mean Bruce's house? Yeah, Bruce's oh, house. Oh, the man- oh, no, you mean the mansion that they the, broke The mansion into. they rocked. Rock. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, fir- mm-hmm. the first of two mansions that we see in this well, episode. Well, I mean, there's the standard, you know, the stock mansion, and then there's the new mansion. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. Okay. And then we cut to the and then we cut to the model home. Right, of course. God. <laughs> okay maggie what do you got for a good thing uh this one's legit funny Mm -hmm. um terry's great (laughs) ma's fucking great (laughs) uh i adore that character she's amazing uh and i love her justification for stealing uh just stealing the rubies it is so stupid and also so personal it's just the best okay so devlin didn't cover that in their summary so why don't you why don't you fill us in on that so she is like stealing these very specific rubies that she stole before she went to jail and they all went back to their previous owners and now she's making a point of like stealing them from wherever they ended Mm -hmm. up uh and it turns out at the end of the episode that she's stealing them because they were the first thing her and her husband stole together back when they back when they were dating yeah the the father of these children that are with her now yeah exactly and it's played off as like it's the only thing i have left to remember of your father and then one of the (laughs) And then one of the kids goes, you know, dad's not dead. He just ran off. He just left you. And then she she hits him in the face. It's wonderful. This is, and Devlin, you're more savvy with the, with the tropes. So maybe you'll, you'll be able to shed some light on this. The, the uh, tough old mom crime boss is definitely not new to this. Like this character appeared in Batman 66. I think it was Mob Barker. Mm -hmm. And I think, or no, I think there's something called Ma Barker and they were riffing on that and called her like Ma Parker or something. And I think yeah. Ma Beagle is a riff on that as well. Ab- mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like the like crime family that's literally a family. But it's, but it's the tough old mom the tough and yeah. there's no dad to be seen. The tough old mom and her yeah. henchmen are her bumbling children. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just, I don't know where this comes from. Like I, I meant to research this and I, I didn't. So that's on me, but I'm hoping mm-hmm. one of you knows more about this because i'm fascinated by like how this works and how it keeps working because it shouldn't on paper but it's it's amazing it's definitely an old ass trope but i could not tell you where it came Mm. from yeah i couldn't either unfortunately i mean who can say where the first egg baby came from that is the question and which came first the chicken baby or the egg baby (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sorry Well, dinosaur babies were laying eggs uh yeah that really threw a wrench into all this huh Uh uh-huh uh, Unless you're talking about my, chicken lady. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. Thanks. Oh my god, scarred, scarred for life. <laughs> uh, I I don't know if uh, either of you picked up on that. Well, first of all, um, 
Ma was played by a character actor named Kathleen Freeman. And if you look yep. up her resume, she has been in everything since like the 50s. Like she's one of those people with like 500 credits. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, Mal and I were, were watching this last night and she was like, this voice is really familiar. Familiar. I'm like, yeah, let me look up what she Yeah, did. you know her from everything. Oh, everything. And it's not like any one of them was like a star turn where you're like, oh, obviously mm-hmm. this is her famous role. But no, you, you've seen her sort of in passing in lots and lots and yeah. lots of things. Um, yeah, hugely recognizable guys... voice that you can't place, yeah. but I've absolutely heard. Yeah. I looked up but the IMDb perfect... page and she's the only one with a black and white photo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> perfect for like a tough old broad. Like, oh, yeah. Top yeah. marks there. Uh, F minus minus for one of her children being Andy Dick, though. <laughs> Boo. I mean, so, Andy so... Dick is the sniveling guy who can't guess he's do anything right. right. But... Yeah, but. He's <laughs> an asshole. Yeah. Ugh. I just uh, I just like being reminded that Andy Dick exists. Yeah, same. There's too many shitty people from news radio. <laughs> well, I comfort myself that he, at this point in his career, he will get punched in the face by John Lovitz. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's true. And now I comfort and myself Batman. that he has been punched in the face by John Lovitz. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe the only person to be punched in the face by John Lovitz and Batman. <laughs> uh, what are you so implying about John Lovitz? <laughs> nothing <laughs> that he's batman uh, i mean i wasn't but now yeah i would uh, i would watch that show <laughs> i want you to tell what all you, your friends you about think, me what do you think of my crime spree cape crusader it stinks <laughs> oh i would watch all six episodes of that <laughs> <laughs> oh and the really badly flash animated uh, additional three episodes as well <laughs> uh-huh and the clip show that rounds out the the run Hey, there's some flash animation in the future of this show. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I guess that's that true. is true. Yeah. Oof. Take that museum of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> so my good thing is just I, I Devlin touched on this already, but the Tamagotchi is a great bit of future tech. Mm-hmm. Just the idea that you have and and these eggs are not like a chicken egg like you would make for breakfast. These are the size of a human baby. Like they are yeah bigger than ostrich eggs i don't like i don't know that they're meant to resemble any actual eggs but they're egg shaped and they have that like weird software and it's amazing Mm -hmm. it's a really cool take on like a future version of like the actual egg baby that's what i'm here for on this show like and Mm -hmm. i like it with weapons and vehicles and all that stuff okay but i like when they extrapolate Mm -hmm. everyday stuff in the future even more It, it just delights me it's a really compelling the, um, design because um, the facial mm-hmm. features change on the egg baby, but there's no yes. screen. There's there's no, you don't know how it works. You just know that it works, which right. makes it even well, more future. I really like, mm-hmm. yeah, I really like the flicker, like the way the faces flicker when they when they mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like a fluid, like animated mouth moving. It's like, oh, now we're sl- now we're going to this face. Yeah, preset crying like, face. Yeah, I like the choice to make that very clearly digital and fake but mm-hmm. they didn't sort of uh put treatment on the baby noises to make them sound fake like yeah. that all sounds so real that bruce himself thought it was real and not a recording which mm-hmm. he's presumably got a trained ear and knows the difference so like well he spent uh, eight years training with the best ba- baby identifiers in all the world <laughs> yeah. and here's this is something devlin i noticed in your notes you you seem to like that bruce wants terry to like fail and drop out of school and like <laughs> I get why it's funny, but it's like, Bruce, you trained everywhere and you were like the best at everything and you won't even let help Terry pass fucking sex ed 101 or whatever. Like, what, what's wrong with you? Um, oh, I don't know what sass I wrote in the notes when I did that. Oh, he said something. He, he basically said something like, yeah, baby's probably going to die. Oh, well, like, I don't I don't remember the actual <laughs> line, but that was the tone of it. Oh, baby's going to be made into an omelet. <laughs> yeah, that was it. There was something about an omelet. Yeah. There's a really lovely... Um, Bruce and Terry moments in this where he's oh, just yeah. kind of razzing Terry for being a high school kid <laughs> and having to deal yeah. with high school shit. But and it's honestly, um, shout out to Kevin Conroy. There's a line that I was making fun of in my summary where he's like, is, is that a baby? Is there something you need to tell me? And the way he delivers it, delivers it is like paternal, caring, angry, hugely confused. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. <laughs> 
It's very, very good. I know you've got this little girlfriend and you've had the same one for quite some time. So maybe, maybe there's a baby in the picture now. (laughs) Uh, Look, I know we're both very busy, but I feel like I would have heard about this. Mm -hmm. Now, look, I've taught you a lot and I guess I haven't taught you this and your father's dead. So I guess it's on me. Okay, this is a condom. (laughs) These are the places you can drop off a baby. The hospital, (laughs) the fire station. (laughs) Get back to being (laughs) orphanage. We specifically brought back the orphanage. Uh-huh. Just so the Joker would have something blow up. <laughs> oh, okay. Here's a house. This this is uh it's okay, it's over in Bloodhaven. But mm-hmm. but trust me, it's the Grayson residence. Just leave it there. <laughs> I'm not taking my child to a place called Bloodhaven. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's It's called Bloodhaven. <laughs> it's you with an umlaut. It's not literally blood. I mean, okay, it's probably mm-hmm. blood in German. But... Bloodhaven. <laughs> <laughs> Like the Swedish chef. It's fun. Blood. Blood. Devlin, what was your good thing? (laughs) It's such a cop-out. It's all of it. No, it's uh not a cop-out at all. I love tropey sitcom bullshit stories, and I love when characters are in just weird positions, but they take their lives deadly seriously. It's my catnip. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I was reading somewhere online... Uh, anything's possible if this is true or not that they wrote a light episode specifically so they would have something to submit for awards and i'm glad they did regardless of why they did it 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 works it works perfectly slam dunk the thing is i think like okay yeah it is off brand in one sense but in another sense it's a very good one-off self-contained encapsulation of the premise of the show which is you know, a, a teen superhero juggling the life of a teen and being a superhero. Like, mm-hmm. he's got to strap the yeah. thing to his back and flip around like Batman and make sure it doesn't get hurt. Like, it's, I don't know, I'm a sucker for stories where the stakes aren't the city's getting blown up. That's so boring mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter to me. But, like, when the stakes are tied to the character, like, yeah, is he going to pass? And it gets to the point where I actually care if this baby that isn't even real lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very well constructed, and it's also <laughs> that, funny that, as hell at the same time. My audible gasp when that guy drops the egg baby out of the window. Yeah. Oh, and when... Terry grabs the baby and flies back up to the window and sticks out his tongue to the. Oh curb. my god! I... Yeah. So I went to do a screen cap because that was going to be the cover art, and I didn't realize he stuck out his tongue. And when I stopped it, like hit pause, I saw his tongue. I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> it's perfect. That is 100% a thing I should not like, and it is so fucking wonderful. It's, I just it, adore it's it. It's because the show doesn't, like, it's not shtick. He's not like, uh, they don't put a dumb sound effect there. It's just a, you know, it's a nice little character mm-hmm. moment instead. Yeah, it's not, he's not quippy like Spider-Man, but it's an earned <laughs> raspberry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's still funnier than, you know, Bruce. I mean, it's not hard. I guess that's true. There are a lot of really nice moments they got out of this premise, too. There's a whole scene where the teenagers are in the courtyard and caring for their egg babies and talking mm-hmm. about parenthood. And They did some good, like, uh, I mean, for for the early 2000s anyway, mm-hmm. some good, like, uh, challenging your assumptions about gender. Like, most of the dudes were kind of into it. And Nelson in particular, he had some trouble because he's a meathead, but, like, yeah. he seemed genuinely, like, committed to the assignment and, like... Oh, good for you. They didn't just divide it on like the boys don't want to do it and the girls all do. Yeah. Which was nice. No, the opening shot is I, the I... three guys sitting and feeding their egg babies. Mm-hmm. And yep. honestly, one thing I really like about it is they did not call attention to it in the mm-hmm. in the dialogue. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, anything's possible now. Boys can like babies too. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, in fact, they do a great little bit where Nelson's partner is Max and she does his homework for him and she says yeah just like any couple we divide the labor one of us is the breadwinner and one of us takes care of the child and it Mm -hmm. it wasn't a gendered observation it was just a division of labor thing and i I liked it yeah i really enjoy how into uh like how into the, the egg baby nelson is um the bit in the uh, classroom where, like, they're handed out, mm-hmm. and he just sort of turns to Terry and goes, you gotta support the head, McGinnis. Jeez. <laughs> it's so good. And then someone says, it's all head stupid. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I saw this, uh, I noticed this myself, and I saw this called out in your notes, Devlin, like, the, the Dana just, like, expecting Terry to, like, oh, because we're gonna have kids, right? Like, ugh. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> oh yeah, the last shot is uh, Terry wins egg baby, and Dana gives him this look like can't wait to breed. It's she off putting. She is so horny for him being a good dad. I, I get that, but I don't get the we're going to have children together thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I get seeing your partner as a good nurturer is, you know, like, I get that. I'm, I'm into that. I mean, I'm into that hypothetically. Mine, of course, isn't, sure. but, you know, <laughs> as what? famously. No, I, I do get, but yeah. The, and so we're going to have, like, they've been dating since they were, what, 14 or something? Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, they haven't been dating continuously, though. They break up every week. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> They're like Elaine and Putty. Uh, please mm-hmm. don't get married to someone you know from high school. <laughs> I can absolutely see Dana just sitting alone in her apartment staring at his face <laughs> until the phone rings. <laughs> yep. Eight ball. <laughs> Are you going to be wearing that like all the time now? Yeah, if you've got a question. You ask the eight ball. <laughs> she had a Jesus fish on her car. This is why you're going to hell, Terry. Oh, man. <laughs> it fits perfectly. <laughs> I would love that so much. Yeah. All right, let's get into some... Terry's just like, yeah, that's right. And then he points at his bad ears. Mm-hmm. Ah! Oh, excellent. Yes. Okay, let's do some bad things. Devlin, what do you got? All right. Okay, this is going to be a long walk. Um, There's a joke in the beginning of the episode terry is like why would somebody steal rubies which is already an idiotic thing to ask <laughs> yeah precious <laughs> gems why would someone want those bruce makes a joke maybe they're making slippers oh ruby slippers oh i see mm. terry responds why would someone make slippers out of rubies what a bizarre concept i've never encountered those words together in my life First of all, the insinuation that The Wizard of Oz, the movie version of The Wizard of Oz, is never just sort of like ingrained in the pop culture zeitgeist mm-hmm. is laughable. No, we when when we grew up 50 and 60 years after it came out, yeah. it was you know, like instantly recognizable, but somehow after that, yeah, it just faded yeah. out of uh... As, that's going to be one of those things that's just around forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's you know it even if you don't know it. You know references to mm. it. Um, yeah, I know it's not one of Maggie's favorites, but you still know references to it. Oh, yeah. My unified theory of the pop culture zeitgeist is that if it was on Muppet Babies, then you can reference <laughs> it safely. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Um, so this is too much world building for this joke to land. Like, oh, they're in an alternate reality where nobody has ever cared about the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Secondly, um, the implication that recording technology doesn't exist. He says it's before your time. There's no way you could see a movie that came out before you were born. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it ages even worse because now we live in that age of uh, boomer rock stations and their mm-hmm. Facebook right. click shit memes about like, oh, <laughs> nobody knows what the clockwork orange is anymore. There's no way you could, nobody will recognize this movie. Uh, excuse me. Space Jam 2 brought that back so <laughs> oh god yeah kids love clockwork Orange. i had uh-huh. just purged that from my memory why would you do this yeah well <laughs> you're welcome no you're, you're not wrong and then in the very next episode somebody makes a tin man reference so like mm-hmm. what the fuck oh that rubbed me the wrong way too that's like the laziest mm-hmm. robot taunt yeah it is it happens yeah. every time yep sure does also of anyone on this show who hasn't seen the wizard of oz like bruce yeah yeah i don't know i because we don't know when we don't know how ago he lived Mm -hmm. like it might have been a current movie that he saw the week before they went to go see zorro you know yeah bruce wayne went to one movie and Mm. um it didn't turn out great for him so he stopped going i would believe he has not seen a movie since zorro Mm -hmm. i bet he used it to solve a a crime with an unfortunately gay uh like protagonist or you know like um like the friend of dorothy yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some serial killer said he's a friend of Dorothy, and so he had to figure out what that meant. Some serial killer in a bag was yeah. making him <laughs> solve puzzles. <Yeah>. And then, <laughs> are you talking about that hit movie with the Twilight Kid in it? <laughs> um, Is it a hit? I don't know. I All the nerds I know love it. I mm-hmm. have no opinion whatsoever. I am not disparaging it. I haven't seen it. I haven't gone yet. I'm afraid to go to movie theaters. I'm not really. I don't really care about Batman. 
yeah, that's somebody asked me if I was going to see it, and I was I said the same thing. And there's, aren't you in the middle of a five year podcast about Batman? Well, okay, but I care about this Batman. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Maggie, what was your bad thing? Uh, this episode features the return of Howie, and I hate that guy, and I don't want him to show up again. Ah, what was fair. what was Howie in before? He was the the kid that built a uh, that uh, bought a robot girlfriend. Oh, and he's just a weird. Li- he's just a weird little sex pest. Okay, mm-hmm. and he and it's the episode plays it off like it's adorable, and I'm just like I don't want to look at this guy. I don't like him. Yep. Yeah, there was nothing sympathetic about him at all. I yeah. didn't have that context, and I just thought he was an awkward nerd who. Wanted mm. to be good at school and wanted to be good at egg baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose if without that, without the background, like yeah, he seems all right. But mm. yeah, following on his his premiere appearance, <laughs> <laughs> um, my bad thing. They did a couple of very tedious fat jokes with Ma that I could have done without. They did. Yeah, she's introduced by showing that the shocks on their car were straining to support her. It's a hover car. That doesn't even make sense. Mm. <sighs> I do love absolutely everything else about that character, though. No, and the thing is, if you do jokes about her being, like, sort of a, a, a massive bruiser, that's mm-hmm. okay. It's just when the joke is, haha, she's heavy. Like, mm-hmm. ugh. I mean, when she... It, you have to get to, like, the kingpin area of bigness, where it's... Yeah. Right. It's not fat. Nope. It just, like, is incredulously big. Mm-hmm. Right. Although, you know, we've mentioned this before. It's one of my all-time favorite comic book moments when uh, when Ultimate Spider-Man pulls out his note cards <laughs> and starts insulting the, the Kingpin with the lamest fat jokes you've ever heard. That was funny. Well, it's the Kingpin, you know. He he deserves it. Yeah, exactly. He does. That guy's an asshole. But the thing is, when, when Ma, like, hauls off and whacks you with her purse and it sends you flying across an entire skyscraper, like, you buy it because... Yep. She's got a lot of upper body strength. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's you know. And a brick in different. her purse. <laughs> also that, yeah. yes. She she stole that brick with her husband. <laughs> <laughs> this brick's got a lot of sentimental value for me. <laughs> Ma, that brick's... Is that a yellow brick? I don't get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <sighs> All right, what else? Uh, Let's see. Oh, Terry's got the best fucking line in the episode. Yes. <laughs> when, uh, uh, so his partner Blade doesn't want to have anything to do with any of this. <laughs> yep. And after the 15th time, she, like, leaves the egg baby with him to le- to go do whatever. Mm-hmm. Terry yells at her, I want a divorce. Yep. And I laughed so hard. Well, the dynamic between those two was very good, because she, mm-hmm. you, you always get, you, we all remember this, the group project from school where the one person just would not pull their weight and... Oh yeah, I was that person. Yeah, well, well, I hope you whoever and I are your partner enemies. was got a divorce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what else? Uh... I think that's about all I have. Bruce also mentions the golden age of alliteration, which is also extremely funny. <laughs> that is very good. Yes. Uh... It's just like some newspaper thing, like, uh, my mayhem, murders, whatever. I think that might have been a a subtle just uh, nod to the Silver Age. You could be entirely right. I mean, he did date Lois Lane. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I love Bruce thinking about his life and reflecting on his past and realizing it was all very stupid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, he's not wrong. I feel like a lot of us get to the end of our lives and sort of realize that. Mm-hmm. Well, that was kind of dumb. What was the point of all that? <laughs> I feel uh, like you I... know us. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Go, go on. No, I was just going to say, you know us. We're uh, you can count on us for those personal, like positive uh, affirm- affirmations. Yep. Go ahead. Um, I just want to keep quoting this episode and re- yeah. referencing really every moment of it. So just go there watch it. There were so Baby. many good quotable moments, yeah. yes. Yep. Absolutely. What did What did you end up picking, though? Oh, I picked a little um, back and forth between Bruce and Terry about the, uh, the troubles of working parenthood. Even real parents with real children find ways to get away for a night. I tried leaving it with my mom, but she said she was too young to be a grandmother. What about your brother? 
tried that too. Then I caught him shooting rubber bands at it. Yes, that was very good. <laughs> My conclusion at the end of the episode was, yeah, Terry might be an okay parent and Bruce should never be allowed near children ever. <laughs> yeah, I have bad news about that. This is this is one of the many ways we the show establishes that uh, Terry is uh, an improvement on Bruce in some ways. Bury me under my pile of dead robins. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of them died in this in this continuity. I mean, they're trying no. to they're trying to shoehorn Jason Todd in there now, so maybe, mm -hmm. but you know, no. But um, what happened to Tim was so much worse than dying. Yeah, that's true. Not too much longer till we get to that. Nope. All right. Any final thoughts before we press forward? Mm -hmm. Uh, no, that's everything I got. Devlin, egg baby. <laughs> <laughs> Exocomp. All right. <laughs> Yay. Okay, let's move. Oh, do we have to? All right. On to Zeta. Mm -hmm. Our story opens with Terry and Max sitting attentively in their intro to ominous foreshadowing class. Terry was initially hesitant to sign up for this one, but Max insisted regular lectures about plot points and themes relevant to that week's case could save a lot of precious exposition time. And sure enough, today's lecture is all about how the teacher is actually a robot being pursued by shady government men. Yes, it's the titular Zeta, soon to be the star of the titular Zeta project. He's the perfect killing machine, programmed with the ability to take the form of any high school teacher. Which seems oddly specific, but you won't be laughing when this is finally the thing that manages to assassinate Fidel Castro. <laughs> I know we said propping up a box with a stick and putting out a sign that said free Castro feed was the way, but no, it's definitely high school teacher Killbot. Zeta shakes off his shady government man pursuers and returns to high school, this time impersonating the one person that's sure not to draw any attention to him. Batman's best friend. Egad Zeta, brilliant! No, wait. He really thinks he's getting away with it too because Dana's completely fooled by the disguise. But come on, Zeta. You could put a pink wig on one of those health class egg babies and Dana would probably believe that was Max. Thankfully, Terry is a lot smarter than a bowl of chili and tracks <laughs> the captive Max to the old abandoned motherboard factory where Zeta lives, I guess? It's certainly where he monologues, because he's just told Max his compelling backdoor pilot-worthy backstory, which is as follows. Brace yourself for the compellingness. Are you braced? Okay, here goes. He was a robot, programmed to kill, but then he realized killing was wrong. Then he tries to kill Terry. Presumably, these inconsistencies will be ironed out before we go to series. Eventually, after Max reminds Zeta that he doesn't believe in killing about 40 times, <laughs> Zeta stops trying to kill Terry and resumes trying to kill the shady government men. There's a daring showdown at the monorail station. What's it called? Then we think Zeta dies, but it was really just a hologram. And if there's one thing I don't tire of after nine years of reviewing Star Trek, it's being led to believe that something is true, only to discover that it was actually a hologram. Never gets old. Then Zeta takes the form of a high school teacher who looks like a cartoon hobo and walks sadly off into the sunset to seek a pie cooling on a windowsill someplace. I'm not sure if that sad piano theme from The Incredible Hulk played here or if my brain just inserted it on its own, but either way, it felt very much like the end of every episode of The Incredible Hulk. Side note, I've been watching a lot of old Pink Panther cartoons recently. Trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. Those six-minute shorts often end somewhat abruptly when they reach the end of their runtime with the panther turning to the camera and just shrugging. This episode effectively ends the same way. Also very much reminded me of the ending of Darkman. I don't remember the ending of Darkman. The ending of Darkman features a Darkman walking into a crowd, and then he looks at the camera, and he's Bruce uh, Bruce Campbell. Ah, Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. Oh, was that his? It was the Sam Raimi movie. Well, okay. You gotta put Bruce Campbell in it. Ah, okay. That's fair. I will say yeah, the this... uh, the holograph trick at the end was one of the things, one of the few things I liked in this episode. Ah, I thought it was. See, I did not. I thought it was a good use of the holograph technology. I thought it was a nice little demonstration that Zeta had learned something. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you that. Zeta, you're all right. Mm -hmm. Yes. I invented what I would look like if I were dead. I <laughs> uh, just, I thought this was such a standard, boring, like, I don't know, either, either they thought this episode was so good that they wanted to make a spinoff or they had cooked up this premise and shoehorned it in here. But either way, mm -hmm. it's not good enough for a series. Mm -hmm. It's it's such a, like, I mean, it's you mentioned it in your summary. It's the Incredible Hulk. It's just, you know, a guy being chased going from town to town and turning into the secretary from Ferris Bueller. Yeah, it was Edie McClurg, actually. Yeah. I looked that up, and uh, so that was nice. Has she appeared in any of this stuff before? They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> 
Uh, and uh, Zeta himself played by Gary Cole, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So that was that was exciting. I'll take the case. <laughs> Gary Cole, also one of my favorites. I love when he shows up, but mm-hmm. it's always Ga- Gary Cole. And as soon yep. as Zeta, mm-hmm. Zeta opened his mouth, which doesn't exist, it was Gary Cole. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no, that's true. But because he doesn't pop up every third episode in a, in a crowd scene, it's not the Tress McNeil effect because mm-hmm. we haven't heard this voice before. That's fair. So they get to use it once and they, you know, I think they used it okay. But uh, in the series, he'll be played by uh, Diedrich Bader. So we don't even get Gary Cole again. And I love yeah. Diedrich Bader. Don't get me wrong. But, you know. uh, so what did you guys think? It was fine. Meh. It was very much the definition of fine. High praise. 22 minutes. Uh-huh. Laser gun fight. Well, in terms... Weird laser guns. Yeah, the double-barreled stacked... La- yeah, those are yeah, weird. Yeah, like... Like, what if my gun was two guns, but I could only fire one of the two guns at once? Mm. Yeah, I'm not really... Wait, is that how shotguns work? I don't, I don't know anything about guns because I That's hate That's not them. at all mm-hmm. how shotguns work. Um, these are incredibly <laughs> poorly designed guns, and I'm, okay. I, I don't want a gun person to write in and tell me I'm wrong, <laughs> but <laughs> they no, look I like the batlet so. of guns. <laughs> yeah, it does. It absolutely does. I, yep. You know, I, I like shooting. I like target shooting. It's one of my hobbies, mm-hmm. and um, I can't imagine shooting one of these guns. I think the recoil would be terrible, I, especially the guy who shoots it with one hand. That's terrible for him his his hand would just like blow back mm-hmm. it's hugely <laughs> dumb like there's no reason for a new gun design mm, i mean it's the future and you want to draw a new gun i i that's it that's the reason that just it seems very much like we could this will look cool in a toy's hand <gasps> i don't think did they make toys of these generic government men i don't know but like you know the fact that they're making the Zeta Project probably meant they were expecting to make Zeta Project toys. Yeah, that's fair. You you had pointed out, and this is actually uh, sort of your supplemental bad thing, that, that the government men resembled someone else. Oh, yeah, the gov- the main government guy looks exactly like Miguel Ferrer, and I can't believe they didn't just get him. No, he, he does like, I, I wanted to correct you on this. He doesn't look like Miguel Ferrer. What he looks like is the weather wizard. They even put him in the same goggles. That's what I was thinking of. All right. Who was voiced by Miguel Ferrer. So you're mm. you're right. You're just you're sort of roundabout right. Well, they still should have got him because he's a good voice actor and he's done the show before. Yeah, but that's another one who's just got one voice, really. Not I mean it's an ama- amazing voice, but you know. Maybe he's those guys also uh maybe look a lot like the uh, men in black cartoon I used to watch as a kid. <laughs> yep. I mean they look like every shady government man from every post X Files thing. Yes, but with cool green sunglasses. That's true. Okay, what else? Um, well, let's. I, what was the rest of your bad thing? Let's do that. Oh, uh, I love a guy going. Yeah, we'll shoot a robot in a high school if we have to. Mm-hmm. Awesome, that's very cool. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. No, and we did get Barbara showing up to like, hey, what the crap, mm-hmm. man? Yeah, and him just going, yeah, no, it's probably gonna happen again. So mm-hmm. you're gonna want to help with this as soon as possible. Well, and that kind of ties to my bad thing. The the previous episode, like I said, was an excellent example of how to make main hero characters, a high school student, really work. This one fails in that same way that so many of them do, by desperately trying to contrive a connection between Terry's high school and the action. Like, what a lucky break, Zeta just happened to be here disguised as one of Terry and Max's actual teachers. I- I'm starting to suspect that Hamilton Hill High School is the only high school in Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad, because it-, it only seems about the size of a normal. So, like, what you're saying is only a thousand kids in the entirety of neo-gotham are in high school mm-hmm. wow joker killed a lot of babies before he finally died mm. yeah, thinking like fair. is this the children of men future <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking like old testament <laughs> do you have to nail the joker fish to your door to make sure the joker didn't come by to take your firstborn <laughs> king tut killed all of the firstborn children that's of much better much better <laughs> i knew we'd get there Devlin, I am skipping your good thing for now because it is excellent and it is quite substantial and I want to come back to it without just sort of glossing over it. So let's instead do your good thing. Oh, you're skipping skipping my bad thing. Okay. Uh, My good thing is um, I like seeing Babs. I like her turning up Mm -hmm. in this show show, um, or her showing in this episode, I should say. 
you know, like yelling at the government guy for shooting up a high school. Um, yeah. And I love seeing her and Tara Bear interact and the way their yeah. relationship has evolved. I agree. Also, he's cloaked outside her window and she knows he's there the whole time because, yep. come on, she's a career cop and also Batgirl. She knows you're there. Yeah. yeah. She's Barbara fucking Gordon. Like, yeah. Oh, you found me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Barbara fucking Gordon. Yeah. She has very um, no. cool aunt energy towards him. Like, uh-huh. well, your dad is kind of a piece of shit, but I don't want to raise you. So mm-hmm. I'll, ju- I'll just help you when I can. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And occasionally take you out for ice cream. <laughs> yep. Oh. No, and, and Thanks, Auntie Babs. The nice thing is that she doesn't always appear, you know, she's not like the main focus. She's in mm-hmm. the first act and that's it. Like it's good that they're willing to use her as a casual, you know, five minute character and not like, well, we got Stalker Channing, we better use her. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know. I like that. Stalker Channing is so good. Yeah, she mm-hmm. is. Can you help us identify, like, I know her from the West Wing, but I feel like people should know her from other things, and I always kind of draw a blank there. Um, She's, before the West Wing, she was best known as Rizzo in Greece. Right, that oh, that was the only right. other one that I knew. Yeah. Other than that, I'm not, I don't care about yeah. actors. Oh, fair enough. Mm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, I'm not recognizing any of these. All right. Uh, What was your... Oh, except Smoke, the weird... Uh... The weird movie I watched in uh, college as part of my uh, creative writing course. <laughs> ah, what is that? I have no idea. It's about, it's like, it's got, uh, it's set in like a smoke shop. Ah. Uh, Harvey Keitel's in it and it ends with the most awful, um, oh god, what the hell's his name? I don't know. Ugh. It, the, the the guy who sound, who sings like this. Harvey Firestein? Uh, Tom no. Waits? Tom Waits, ah. thank you. The piano so has been a... drinking. Uh-huh. Put on me. <laughs> that, that movie ends with what I, at the time, identified as the worst song I had ever heard in my life because it's Tom Waits bellowing. And then I got home, downloaded it, and listened to it 800 times. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about Tom Waits is you think you mm-hmm. hate him, and then you start listening to him, and it's like, no, actually, I like this. Mm-hmm. This is actually amazing. Uh, what was your uh, What was your good thing? Maggie. Uh, oh yeah. Uh Terry catches on to Max being out of character real quick, you know? Mm-hmm. Good. A lot of this episode could have been just serious fucking around where he's like, Oh, uh, Max is acting really strange. Oh, you should probably do something about it. I probably should do something about it. I hope she's okay. Yeah, the whole like a whole act of just Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Robot Max is just like, uh yeah, I'll see you after school for whatever. Mm-hmm. And Terry's just like, okay, well something's going on here. It's probably fucking Spellbinder again. <laughs> I really like that scene too. There's a beautiful bit of staging where she's soldering circuitry while they're talking, and the the mm. sparks are underlighting her face and underlighting yeah. Terry's face, and his expression when he realizes it's not Max is a little. Mm-hmm. Everything's a little heightened and spooky. Yeah, there were a couple of good animation flares of like uh, lighting specifically because there's a bit where he's fighting uh, Zeta in the factory and he gets like Zeta gets electrocuted and there's it, it was it really stood out to me mm-hmm. like the electricity effect and the lighting and the, the shadowing and everything like whoever the guy is in charge of that must have like really been on his game that week. Yeah. Um, My good thing is pretty small. I'm always a fan of a robot or computer character repeating what a human said verbatim, including mm-hmm. the colloquialisms that don't sound right coming out of them. Like Max, uh, uh, he hands Max the sandwich and because someone else said, it's your fave. Here, it is your fave. <laughs> and Max is like, uh, why don't you take the faces of the people you met and mix them up? And he's like, yes, I will mix them up. <laughs> it's, it's just a dumb thing, but it always makes me laugh. I hope he learns about finger guns and winking soon so he can be like, I will mix them up. Pew, pew, pew. Mm-hmm. Well, he had to throw away his finger guns. So. Well, he, he keeps trying to make a two-barrel finger gun and it just doesn't work. <laughs> just a peace sign? Yeah, I think so. No, the finger gun of the future is just the uh, the phone, what we used to do for the phone sign. Mm. Oh, hang loose. What is that? Yeah. Are you going surfing right now? Well, the Joker did once, but... Uh... He sure did. Honestly, um, Zeta's mix him up cool teen disguise <laughs> gave me oh, real yeah. Poochie vibes. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, a real... there's a Poochie element to him in the show. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. I could absolutely see that. Well, let's really, like, this is sort of the, you have some really good stuff to talk about here. Like, let's get into your bad thing now. <sighs> okay. This episode was fine. And I think it would have continued to be fine if I didn't have to critique it. But it okay. really didn't land for me. And I was, I've really been chewing on why for a while. Because, like, this is a story we all know. You've mentioned on the show before that this show uses comic shorthand, like, we have seen mm -hmm. Short Circuit. We've seen The Iron Giant. We know this story. My mm -hmm. first best boyfriend and absolute king Robocop. This is the same sort of story. So yeah. I couldn't understand why it wasn't, why I didn't believe it. I didn't buy into it. I didn't buy that Terry and Max would help this robot. And this robot would like ever be not a government kill bot. Um, right. No, and also, sorry, real quick. I just want to interject. I also got a lot of uh, T2 like T2 with little Eddie Furlong, like you can't go around killing people. Like there was some of that in there too. Yeah. Um, you gotta shoot them in the knees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, T2, a classic. Why isn't this mm -hmm. story landing? Why isn't it working? And mm -hmm. I, I, I figured it out. It's Zeta's design. So he has a boomerang for a head with no mm -hmm. sensory organs um, or sensory devices. I should say it looks Small, undersized, goofy. It looks vestigial, except he's constructed. I don't know what it's for. Um, and there's a there's a shot, there's a face-on shot in the murder factory where it, it's 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 Zeta's front-on shot, and his head appears to be a U, and it emphasizes. It looks like it's cradling a head that isn't there. It's mm -hmm. so upsetting to me. <laughs> <laughs> no honestly it's like so upsetting it's it's astounding in the absence of human mm. head um and i realized it's like oh they designed him without a face um even ink has like a white spot in the face position a, a thing you can talk to a thing you can look at um and i think zeta's design is is fine on paper i think it'd be good for like an anonymous murder droid i think that's it supports the narrative in that way. That's fine. I really came back to um, this. <laughs> I came back to this ethical philosopher named Emmanuel Levinas. And the mm -hmm. core of his writings are uh, based on this concept of the face-to-face -face relation. So a lot of philosophy is built on, you know, the self, understanding the self, the relation to the other. How do we understand the other in relation to the self? How do we treat the other? Uh, Levinas said that, real communion, real empathy can only exist in a face-to-face -face interaction. Um, mm. You know, he's, his writing, he says, the face cries out to me and compels me to care for it. It's, it's the face-to-face the -face interaction. I mm. think Zeta just needs a fucking face. He needs a head and a face. <laughs> um, Levinas, um, hugely influential. Influential as well. Um, his his essay on the face is pretty accessible. Um, if you want to get into a little philosophy, the the real effect is literally uncanny. It is familiar. It is unfamiliar. I hate it. I hate Zeta. I don't trust him. He does not. <laughs> he is too not quite human enough. <laughs> I feel like they were trying to do something different and I, I i see what you mean about it not landing mm -hmm. but i i, I kind of understand where it came from at least like we've all seen you know the classic robot design before mm -hmm. and it's like well this guy doesn't have a face because it's he's usually a hologram projection so like his mm -hmm. head is the projector but if it i mean if it doesn't work as a relatable character it doesn't work so well it doesn't work it's a it's a failure of design yeah. and that's like my yeah. bad it it pulled the entire episode yeah. down it mm -hmm. just ruined the entire theme of the episode Zeta well, looks, you, here's the thing. Zeta looks like a Boston Dynamic robot dog. And if yeah. you see a Boston Dynamic robot dog, it's not a good boy. Don't befriend it. You put on your anti-surveillance makeup and you beat it with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> now, if only you could deliver that like Mad Stan. <laughs> I don't have the lung or neck power to be a Mad Stan. Yeah, a few people. Do. I think if we yeah. combined our necks, we might get close. Close, but still not there. Yeah. And also, Zeta doesn't have a neck at all, so, you know. No. 
I, I mean, you absolutely have a point. I ch- I looked up like what Zeta looks like in the. Oh yeah, they redesigned project. him for the show, and he absolutely looks like just like a T one T eight hundred robot or whatever. Yeah, he's know? got a like, fucking face. face with eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't dislike it. Like I say, I think I see what they were going for, but mm. I completely see your argument as well. Like, I found that the writing didn't support it, but I I see what you mean, and I think it's because I don't. Like, I listen to these way more than I watch them, so I probably mm-hmm. didn't notice that visually as much as you did. I watch them more than I listen to them. Mm. Mm. Fair enough. We're a subtitle well, there, household. There, there is very much uh, a shot, like a horrified reaction for Zeta, where it's just like a boomerang on, on the screen, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's, uh, it's Terry and Zeta coming to a moment of recognition between the two of them, and then it cuts mm-hmm. to Zeta. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, like, Zeta's got two green glowing dots on his shoulders and one right on his crotch. And so that's the face I look at. Because mm-hmm. it looks like two eyes and a mouth going, ooh. Yeah, he's a very primordial Greek monster with a face in the yeah. torso. <laughs> but also, I feel like after watching the entirety of Superman, we should not trust robots that have three dots that form a triangle. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a brainiac, man. Yep. You're going to get brainy. You know he hacked his way into something again. Mm-hmm. I think if they wanted to do an inhuman design, they should have pushed it further. Because yeah, I, I get I your get point that. about like, well, he doesn't need to look like a person because he has a holograph projector to look like people. But um, it's it's too humanoid to and not humanoid enough. Yeah. yeah. All right. I can see that. Uh, What else? I do like the way he unfolds when he turns back into Zeta, though. What do you mean? Well, like, when he turns off his hologram, he sort of unfolds and gets taller. Oh, like, if he... Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. I don't think I noticed that. But, yeah, if he, like... Uh, if he's posing as someone who's smaller than his usual... Like, mm. like Max is a teenager. Yeah. So, presumably, he would have to fold in to look, you know, smaller. Oh, my God. That I makes am sense. a secret robot. I was hiding. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I read that as him being off-model. <laughs> No. <laughs> every time i was like what the fuck is the scale of this robot why didn't they figure that out mm-hmm. well the other thing the animation in this episode a lot of it is not great there's a big fight scene that looks rough yeah oh there's a shot of there's a, a static drawing of max when zeta throws away his guns and she's smiling and she's so proud of him mm-hmm. and it she looks like she's in a wind tunnel it's just <laughs> the goofiest expression she looks like she's <laughs> on the gravity simulator in moonraker it's very (laughs) poorly drawn and they stay on it for a good five seconds and see max being off model there's no excuse for that is a that is a primary character in the show who's been there for a whole season so it is you know a one-off guest star like uh, maybe they didn't quite get it right but Mm. there's no excuse for that max stuff yeah you guys have so many max models yeah you just recycle an old shot Mm -hmm. there was uh, uh speaking of voice actors sort of being reused like we were talking about before uh Oh, uh, God, what's her name that does Dana's voice? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, uh, something Disney. Lauren Tom. No, no, uh, what's her name? Disney is uh, uh, Chelsea, I think. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, this is um, Lauren Tom, who plays, uh, like, Amy on Futurama. And right. Basically every Asian woman in, you know, like, she's the Asian woman version of uh, Tress McNeil. <laughs> but um, there's, when they're in the, the monorail station, uh, there's a, just an incidental character that walks by with her voice, and she doesn't even, it's just her Dana voice. She doesn't even do anything different. And she said, the radio said the snow is at 4,000 feet. Isn't that kind of deep? <laughs> so everyone with Dana's voice is a complete idiot, I guess. That does sound like a Dana line. It really does. <sighs> also, the uh, the announcer at the train station sounded very much like James Urbaniak. It wasn't, but it sure sounded. <laughs> Track four! Lab, start boarding. Start boarding the train, Brock. Mm-hmm. The train is powered by orphans. Oh, orphan. orphan boy, a little, a little orphan, orphan boy. boy. <laughs> All right, what else? Father's destroying my lawn with his magic. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have other things to say? I don't know. This was not. The, the thing best. is, I don't it, think I don't think it was bad, but the, in in light of the fact that we've had a run of episodes we haven't really cared for, 
if Egg Baby hadn't interrupted the flow, this would have just been another, well, exactly. this was forgettable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had like a bunch of nothing and then a masterpiece and then more nothing. Yeah, exactly. Like I thought we were pulling out of the slump finally, but mm. now we're back in it. And again, it's it's fine. It's average. There's nothing especially wrong with it. It's just usually when they tell sort of a stock standard sci-fi story, they should bring something new to it. And they really didn't in this case. Yeah. I think that was my Batman- main problem with it. Batman Beyond writers, you need to uh, you need to treat every episode like you're trying to win a major award. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, a bubbly synthy techno riff when Zeta and Batman are fighting in the um, the Danger Factory. <laughs> that is, <laughs> I love that you called it the Murder Factory a minute ago. It's, it's so true. It's it's clearly just designed to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Um, they just create danger there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we're filming 18 showdowns for action movies here later today. It's Neo-Gotham. There's always something. This uh, this fight music, I know they're trying to do something like techno and robotic, but it just sounds a little like Devo. It's a little goofy. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and the, the, the funny thing is I had to, I had to look this up to verify because I looked at these a while ago, but um, this episode was actually nominated for an Annie Award for Outstanding Individual Achievement for Writing. So like... The award bait episode, like uh-huh. I don't, I don't know if it got anything, but but the other one did, or at least got huh. nominated. Um, what else was nominated that year? Yeah, I don't know. Like in like two thousand, two thousand one, there there was probably some decent competition. I don't know. All right, anything else? That's everything I got. I have a note: Zeta should tear off his own head like RoboCop too. Yes. <laughs> RoboCop 2, the character. Right. <laughs> As featured in the film RoboCop 2. Oh, I remember. I, I, inter- I, I give you RoboCop 2. I love that so much. <laughs> they use it's that in the... his head off and starts screaming. Um, just cause I... What a great fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Just because I haven't been here. This is actually my DCAU show. This is the show that I watched when it was on. Um, I'm really fond of it. But I don't. the, the intro is so corny. Really? Yeah. Okay. The greed, corruption, mm-hmm. words. It honestly reminds me of the uh, the the dark teaser trailer for um, Christmas Carol and Bill Murray Scrooged. Oh God! Like, Acid rain, drug addiction. <laughs> what was it? I think it was Mal who said it. It was like a you wouldn't download a car ad. <laughs> Every time I watch it, she's like, "You wouldn't download a car, would you? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't download I... a Batman, would you?" <laughs> I, mean, I can absolutely say I have many times. Mm. You want to download a corruption, would you? <laughs> I, I've also done that many times. I will. Yeah. That's why I don't have. That's why I, st- I stopped using Pirate Bay. <laughs> I, I will. I, I absolutely agree with the words are corny as hell, but I like I like the aesthetic of it. Otherwise. I like the cool mm. sort of pseudo rotoscoped like figure turntable thing happening and I, I don't know i like it i like it literally is. everything except the words but the words yeah, okay for all me. right yeah 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 i think it absolutely tells you exactly what you're about to watch <laughs> i don't know i haven't seen a whole well i guess in season one we got a lot of that greed and corruption stuff that was mm. that was uh blight yeah i miss blight, I miss blight. I miss... he was a great bad guy yeah no they've put him on the back burner i guess like i know he's still out there he hasn't shown up since like his like the no at the season season, season one, one finale. No, they yeah they, we got a, a brief cameo by his son in an episode a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I otherwise was all the power hopeful. shit is over. I was really hopeful that he was coming back. Yeah, you know he probably will. I think I think what they were doing was like okay that was that was all of season one. Let's let's mm-hmm. put that on hold and do some other stuff. He's just he's a great villain with an awesome design. Like everything and, about him rules, and a good way to keep Bruce involved beyond just sitting in the cave on the mm-hmm. phone because yeah. he he's trying to steal his company. So you know it gives Bruce something to do. Have we seen any of Terry's villains this season? Blight or Ink or Spellbinder? Uh yeah, Spellbinder has shown up like twice, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, uh, didn't we get an Ink one already? We've definitely had two Ink episodes. I'm pretty sure both we had of one of ones the- in season two. The one with the guy who was in love with her, and I can't remember right. how long ago that episode was, but it was good. It was, but that might have been season one. That might have brought yeah. her in the early season one and then late season one. Mm. But the, uh, the one that ends with the guy being a hideous pile. Yes. Fucking great. Uh-huh. 
Uh, otherwise? Pile. Oh, and um, uh, uh, Willie Watt came back. Oh, the, yeah, the he kid, was all beefed yeah, up. The kid with the golem robot. Yeah. So a few of them. Another head too small Willie for Watt his body. Watt factory. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I suppose that's all for this time. Devlin, yeah. you got anything you want to plug or whatever? Oh, um, no. I don't perceive me. I don't exist. <laughs> fair enough. I'm glad you said that at the end. It would have made for an awkward show otherwise. Um, X-Men comics are good now. The new Halsey Yay. record is great. Go to the doctor Just if you to... haven't been to the doctor in a while. Be nice to each other. Yep. Mm, love each other. Yes. That sounds like you. <laughs> love each other. Don't perceive me. Mm-hmm. I wonder who said the, that. I can't attribute word. that to anyone. The key words in that are each other. Leave me out of it. Mm-hmm. For all anyone knows, Alan Moore has just been on the show because they asked to have their name taken off. Uh, let's see. Next time we are doing episodes entitled Plague and April Moon, and I don't know what mm-hmm. either of those are. Once again. Not a clue. Uh, I know Plague, also, probably not interested. Mm-hmm. I, think I've, I think I've had my fill of stories about that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, it will also be our hundredth episode of Kids Love Whatever. So, oh, yeah, uh, so it is. We will be celebrating that the same way we always do by not celebrating it. In by, way. by doing another episode. Uh huh. I if, look. If you want to celebrate it, we can. Like, how how would you propose we do that? I have no idea. <laughs> With um, let's see. Going. Oh wait, no, no. That verb is out. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, no. <laughs> By doing another episode. <laughs> yes. All right. As ever, uh, the the website is uh, kidslovebatman.com. If you want to write to us, it is kidslovebatmanpodcast at gmail. Please write to us if you have any interesting Stalker Channing facts, but do not write to us about guns because we don't care. <laughs> no. Uh, I am on Twitter at Algar. I'm at Maggie Robots. And that's all for this time. Yeah. See you, folks. Twala dregs. Bye, babies. For more information about this show and the people who make it, visit kidslovebatman.com. To provide financial support for this show and all of the shows produced by Algar Productions, consider a pledge at patreon.com algar. That's double A-L-G-A-R. The Kids Love Batman podcast is a co-production of Maggie Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Copyright 2022. Algar Productions. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.